Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Um, Say to the person next to you, God has got a plan for you. I really believe uh, God's got a plan for each of us. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for each church on this planet. And uh, the church is full of people. And there's a plan for each of us that God is unzipping. And so this morning, I'd just like to be a little bit different. There's a little bit of a... One of my heroes. You want to just... uh, We'll just start playing a, a YouTube clip that I discovered recently. We are in the preliminary stage of one of the greatest battles in history. I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Now they are rearming with the utmost speed. And ready to their hand is this new lamentable weapon of the air, against which our Navy is no defense. We had a warning earlier on the day, but this is the first time the raid has actually appeared over London. These indiscriminate bombings of London are part of Hitler's invasion plan. Little does he know the spirit of the British nation or the tough fiber of the Londoner. You ask, what is our aim? They can answer in one word, victory. Winston Churchill kept the flag of freedom flying. It is entirely possible that but for Winston Churchill, the Nazi swastika would to this day be flying over every capital city of Europe. You know, walking with destiny, it's something that uh, each of us is doing. Winston Churchill is possibly one of my favourite heroes. Um, he was a man that st- stood up, he st- put his neck out when the heat of the challenge came. And uh, he always knew from a young boy that he had destiny on his life. As a seven-year-old kid, he knew that he had a plan for his life. His dad knew that as well. And um, he went through a series of events in his life which were seeking to basically destroy him, to kill him. He just about drowned in a swamp one day. But he always knew that deep in his heart there was a mandate, there was destiny for his life. And he knew at some stage that he had to respond to that. Um, He knew that he was going to save Great Britain. He knew that he was walking with destiny. And through all the circumstances of his life up until then, it was like preparation for the future. There was a culmination of what was going to take place in his nation. And he was going to be responsible for something. And I believe that, you know, we can look at World War I, we can look at World War II. Extreme things took place. People said it would never happen again, but it did. But what is happening in the natural is only very superficial to what is actually taking place in the supernatural arena. And um, I believe there's a heating up of the intensity of the forces of evil. There's a tug of war taking place over individuals' lives, trying to rip apart 
individuals, trying to destroy families, trying to, trying to destroy husbands and wives. There's contention going on. But each of us is positioned in this planet, in this hour, for a reason. The battle, I think, is going to be far more intense than any Second or First World War issue or Korean War. We are here for this hour. And what is going to be the key that causes us to step in to that destiny? You know, because if we don't, we can just fail to do what God's called us to do. He's put us on the planet for the reason. You know, Winston Churchill um, was a flawed man. He wasn't perfect. Um, he had a bit of a temper. Um, but he became a great leader. He was a change agent. He affected so many things for so many people. But deep down, God put something deep, deep, deep within his heart that he couldn't ignore. And I sense that God has positioned people well and has positioned things and seeded things into people's hearts and lives that the enemy wants to destroy. And I believe that the church is on the cusp of um, incredible things. The light will get larger, dark will get darker. And some of the things which the enemy is wanting to abort in individuals' lives, God is raising up again. And we're in a unique time. And I think the key basically to respond is actually to hear our master's voice. Um, as we listen to God's voice for us and obey, incredible things will take place. Signs and wonders will take place. In 1884, there was a little dog in Bristol. His name was called Nipper. And the reason why he was called Nipper is because he went around nipping people. Um, obviously, name stick. Um, he wasn't a thoroughbred. Uh, he wasn't, you know, he was a bit of a mongrel in some respects, but he was a, he was a fox, fox terrier cross. And he was partial to chasing rabbits and pheasants and things like that, which was really cool. But the thing is, this little dog loved to hear his master's voice. Always loved to hear his master's voice. And he whined and he fretted when his master wasn't around. Sadly, what happened, his, his uh, master who lived in Bristol, he was an artist, a painter, and uh, he died at a younger age. And so they thought, what do we do with this young dog, Nipper? And so they gave it to this guy's uh, brother who lived up in Liverpool. And he positioned him up there, and um, his brother was also an artist. And this young dog loved to hear the master's voice, his master's voice. And so the brother, Francis was his name, what he did, he, um, he bought one of the first, uh, it wasn't a dictaphone, but they had like gramophone records, and they also had like wax discs, which they used to record voice messages onto. It became like the first dictaphone. And so they recorded the master's voice onto the dictaphone. And so when the guy was out or away or was upset, they used to you know, play this recording. And this settled the dog quite a, quite a lot. Um, and so, unfortunately, what happened, um, you know, the death took place, the dog was biting people and things like that. Things were going wrong. It wasn't initially, initially planned this way, but what happened, um, this artist saw that this dog loved to hear the master's voice. He was always putting his ear up to the gramophone record. Just loved, loved doing it. And so he started to paint a picture of this young dog, Nipper. And... Um, that was good, and then he sold this picture because obviously artists need to make money, and it went into a um, gramophone record uh, company in London. And the 
the um, owner of the company, who was actually a German, uh, a German guy living in America, he actually designed um, the dictaphone record thing with the, the wax seals and, and recording. He also designed um, the gramophone record. He was an inventor. And he came into the office in London and saw this uh, picture on the wall of this dog, Nipper, listening to the gramophone record. And what the owner did, he said, this is amazing. And so they took this image and they recorded it, and it became the logo of the company. What we now recognise as RCA, uh, uh, Victor Recording Message. Uh, I would have loved to bring my two dogs to church this morning. We got a golden lab and a chocolate lab. Uh, problem is, if they saw Samu, they would have thought this is better than uh, steak. T-bone steak's good, but Samu could be better. No, you, you would have got sidetracked. Our dogs are really lovely. Uh, the thing is, I've discovered that my dogs love to hear the master's voice. Especially when it's words like walkies, you know. You can say the word beach and they, they just jump into the car, you know. They're in there and they're wagging their tails and they're looking at you. Um, you know, they know when it's, instinctively they know when it's time to be fed. You know, these dogs, I don't know, they've got a pretty good vocabulary. They can pick up things really, really quickly. But they love to hear the master's voice. And thing is, we've got to learn as individuals to hear our master's voice. You know, if we come back to the manual, the word of God. On the opening pages, we see God wanting to work with humanity. Man was positioned on the planet for a reason. And there was dialogue. Man and God talking together. But what actually happened, we know the story. Another guy came along and tried to stuff it all up. And they started to hear another voice, which wasn't God's voice, starting to question and put doubt on what God was doing. And people, sadly, Eve, didn't hear God's direction and respond appropriately, and it stuffed it up, not for one person, but for the whole of humanity, generation after generation after generation. Basic scripture. Because one person failed to hear properly the voice of God. But the thing is, we can have other individuals that can hear what God tells them to do, and we see a whole chain of events that will take place, and we will see restoration that will take place. Um, I'm really conscious that media... Although it's powerful, also has an incredible impact, positively and negatively. Um, when Khan and I were in Borneo this year, we were travelling with a Samoan pastor from Apia, got a very large church there, and he said, you know, simple things like movies, there's a program, a video called uh, Moana, you know, and the kids' animation thing, nice music and all that sort of stuff. But what he said, people don't understand. There's a, it talks about, I've never seen it, so I'm just taking it second hand, but he said there's like a, an evil spirit or a spirit that rises up out of the ocean, the ocean. And that affects people. You know, we're familiar with Tanifars and all that here in New Zealand. But he said, this spirit comes up and he said, people are just sucking all this rubbish in. You know, we're having a situation now where people aren't letting Bible in schools take place anymore. They would rather people read Harry Potter and rubbish like that. We've got a generation of children that are coming to schools like this, which we're standing in this morning, and they know more about Harry Potter than they know, do know about Jesus Christ. Something has gone wrong in our society. The enemy's voice has come in, perverted, distorted, and corrupted what is going on. People are confused, but people want to hear the master's voice. But people get distorted in following wrong trends. Why do so many people look at Women's Weekly and see horoscopes and think, oh, this is fun? Well, it's very destructive. Why do people go and um, have their palms read? It's seeking to hear from another voice. 
And all it does, it puts wrong thoughts, lies into people's lives which destroy their lives. They go to places and they have their tarot cards read and things like that. And you think, oh, this is innocent, that's fun, it's a bit of a laugh. Well, it's not. It's just lies from the pit of hell that destroys people's lives. And we've got, as Christians, we've obviously got a fairly good understanding of what God says and what, not, what to do and what not to do. But we've got all these other people that have no idea. And they're getting sucked in to all this gobbledygook, which isn't helping anyone. And we as a church need to be able to put a, a foot down and say, no, this is the word of God. This is right. We've got to bring people back to the truth. As people are going to end up getting washed away with all this garbage. We have to hear the word of God very, very clearly for our own life. Jesus said this in John's uh, Gospel 10, 25. He said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. The sheep need to know the master's voice. That this is why it's so important for discipleship to take place, so we learn to listen and hear the voice of God. Prophetically, you learn to tune your ear to the voice of the Spirit. You know, words of knowledge, all that sort of stuff. You learn to pick up the nuance of what God is saying. You know, sometimes it's a still, small voice. You know, sometimes you're reading the Word of God and scriptures just jump out at you. That's powerful. The Word is like a lamp unto our feet. Sometimes it's actually physically audible. You know, and all my 50... Nine years. Um, I turned 28. I, I, I turned 59 on the 28th of October when we were having breakfast, Freddie. Um, and so, what we find is that there's there's a, there's, a, there's patterns that come. There's thought patterns that come in our, in our mind all the time. But God starts to speak into that, and we've got to learn to listen to the voice of God amongst all the other noises and all the other voices. There's only once in my life that I physically heard an audible voice from God. Only once. You know, and I'm hearing from God day in, day out, but audibly only once. And I was only a young fella, um, about 16 or 17, relatively new as a convert. And we were doing um, a Sunday morning service up at Dargaville. And they said, this is amazing. Can you?" And we had a youth group and we're doing a whole lot of music concerts and everything. And we ended up doing like a concert um, up in Dargaville late at night in the middle of winter. And we stayed on and they offered us supper and tararoa and all sorts of yummy things after the, the concert. And we were driving back to Auckland and it started to uh, rain and it was pretty dark and pretty miserable. And we were driving down the road near uh, just before uh, Rilwai. And this stage is a representation of the road, reasonably narrow. But what had actually happened... Because of the rain, the side of the road had actually swept away, and it was actually like a, not a pit, uh, pothole, it was like a, half the road was gone. And I'm driving down the road really tired, thinking, oh, I've got to get up early tomorrow morning. And God spoke, he said, stop, stop the car. So I stopped the car, and everyone who was asleep in the back of the car said, what is happening here? And we got out of the car, and we realised that half the road had been slipped away. We could have been another statistic. On the side of the road, you probably would have seen a cross there with our name or something written on it if you went up, went up there now. That was the only time that I heard the audible voice for God. But in my Christian walk, I've learned to tune my ear to the whispers. Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, 12, you know, he had done some amazing things. He was a prophet. He was hearing from God. And there was an incredible storm. God wasn't speaking in the storm. There was an earthquake. God never spoke through the earthquake. 
And then there's all this intense fire. Must have been like Australian bushfire. I don't know what happened. But the Bible said there's all this fire. But then the gentle whisper. He heard the voice of God, the whisper. He knew God was speaking. And we've got to learn as Christians to listen to the whisper of God. Do this. Don't do that. Go and see that person. Whatever. And as we step out, an incredible array of things will take place. You know, the, the, the testimonies will develop. Always develop. Uh, one time I was in, um, where was it? I was in northern Thailand. And um, we did some amazing seminars. I, I might have shared this story before, but I'll say it again for the sake of this illustration. Um, we were asked to go after a three or four day seminar to this refugee camp on the, on the, on the side of... Uh, the border between Myanmar or Burma and uh, Thailand. There's a refugee camp of around about 75,000 people there. And this young guy decided to build a Bible college there because all these people were obviously doing nothing. And so he had about 350 um, people in this Bible college. And so we were driving um, up to this Bible college to do this, uh, this uh, extra training in the Bible college there. And this road that we were driving in, it was much narrower than the stage here, much narrower. It was only really going to let one vehicle um, travel down it. And down the side, there was a drop-off of around about six, 700 feet. You know, it was like a... And then the other side of the ridge was like right down again, another massive great drop-off. But fortunately, there was like this aluminium barrier um, on the side of the road. And we were driving long, long hours, and, and all of a sudden, the rain started to come. It was like a, a, a monsoon downpour. It was water everywhere. It was like going through Hawker Falls, just about. Well, not, not that bad, but it was close to it. And then um, I could look over, the, over the, the ridge, and there's this big articulated petrol tanker with a big trailer unit on the back coming towards us. And, and I'm sort of sitting in the, in, the, in the passenger seat. Another guy was driving, and I'm thinking, man... There's nowhere for us to go. The barriers wouldn't have let us go off the side of the road. And this tanker started to see us. And what he did, he started to break, and then he started to fishtail. And it's like everything just started to slow right down. And then all of a sudden I was thinking, Lord, I always wondered how I was going to die. That was a thought that I actually had. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat at the front, and I turned around to the guys in the back, and I said, oh, I'll see you guys up top. Because it was such a fait accompli that this was going to be it. Then all of a sudden, don't know where that came from. This tanker had somehow gone all the way through the vehicle, all the way through us. We had no idea what had happened. We pulled off to the side of the road and our hearts were going, really thumping away, really thumping away. And God spoke. Not as a whisper. Well, it was a whisper, but it was as clear as I was speaking to you now. That's, I, it's one of those oxymorons. It was a whisper, but it was clear. And the Lord said, Phil, I've got purpose and destiny and mandate for your life that I need you, need you to complete. And I'm going, I can go home and see my kids and my wife again. It's amazing. But God was speaking. But what I didn't understand until I got home back to our own church in New Zealand this was happening on a Sunday morning. And while the preacher was speaking on the Sunday morning, someone was hearing from God. It was one of our intercessors. And so um, the guy who was preaching, this, this intercessor came up and there was a bit of tug of war for the old microphone. He said, we need to pray for Phil, like right now. Not at the end of the service, we need to pray for Phil right now. 
with the time delay and the you know all the you know, you know between Thailand and here and all that, it was five hours time difference, and that was exactly when the was going forward when she decided to get up and pray. Yes, I heard from God, but she heard from God more decisively. We would have been another statistic. My kids probably would have never had me around. My grandkids would never have seen me, anything like that. But the thing is, heard the voice of Spirit speaking to us. You know, all the miracles that Jesus did were God speaking to us as individuals. All the miracles. You know, the situation in John 9, verse 6, it says this. And just picture this, you know. Jesus spat on the ground, he made some mud out of saliva and spread the mud over this blind man's eyes. That was a clear di directive from the Lord. And it, we can read this in the sanitised version, but what happened, Jesus went down, picked up some mud, <laughs> wiped it on this poor blind guy. Now, fortunately, he couldn't see what was happening, but he could probably hear. But, but why was it that <laughs> Jesus had to do something? He stepped out in faith and did something. And this blind guy, obviously we know the story, um, responded. He said, now go out and uh, get washed into the pool of Siloam. And so the man went, he washed, and he came back seeing. You know. But it happened because someone listened. Someone did something. There's a contention over each of us. You know, God is always speaking. The enemy is always wanting to counter. You know, What does God want to do? God wants to still you. Satan, he's going to rush you. He's going to rush. God's going to give you a reassurance. He's going to re do, do that all the time. He re reassures us all the time. Satan's going to want to frighten you. God leads us. Satan pushes us. God enlightens us. The evil one will confuse you. God, he forgives you. Satan, he's going to condemn Jesus, he can, he can always just bring calming into our situation where the enemy is going to bring strife. The Lord, he encourages us. Well, Satan, he brings discouragement. Our God brings comfort. Satan, he brings worry. You know, the enemy's modus operandi is totally different. You know, Satan's voice is always going to bring fear and frenzy where God's voice brings calm and comfort. Satan's voice is going to bring confusion and coercion, whereas our Lord's voice is going to bring clarity and direction. Satan's voice is going to bring condemnation and discouragement. But our Lord, he brings forgiveness, he brings encouragement. Satan is always going to provide stress and worry. Our God gives peace and security. Friends, we're in a battle. There's a battle going on and we've got to tune in to what's going on. We can sometimes see things in the natural, but I tell you what, when you start to see things in the spiritual realm, and I get seasons where I see some pretty gnarly stuff, you learn to tune in to the voice of God really quickly. You know, uh, we were in uh, Borneo with Khan this, this time, and I've seen over the last three years that amplification of the occult rising up, witch doctors and all sorts of really disgusting things. And the enemy's getting pushed into a corner. And the enemy's wanting to respond, and he's doing some pretty disgusting things. You know, we had this young girl, you know, she was um, given these instructions from the witch doctors, not directly to her, but through her family, to eat this potion. It was all these ground-down uh, leaves. And so she did. 
And as soon as she did this, all these demons came into her life, came into her body. Something as simple as having this potion. And all of a sudden, this evil spirit, or there's actually numerous evil spirits, came in her because of this one simple act. It's like, well, God, how do we deal with this? You know, you can, I've worked with a lot of dynamic people over the years, and each time it's like, what do you want us to do? And it's like, oh, the Lord says, um, speak Jesus' name. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And that very act will cause release. Well, sometimes it's um, singing a song. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, whatever. There's always a key. And so in this situation, this time, the Lord said, the key is communion. You know, next morning, because we, we had a whole lot of stuff came out of this girl at night, on a Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that needed to come out as well. But I realized there were numerous people there that actually had other things that needed to be released. What was the instruction? The communion emblems. So I got the senior leader of the ministry to, to lead us in communion, and he did. And all of a sudden, it wasn't hard work. It was simple. Why? Because God gave an instruction to do something. We're in a battle. We've got to listen to the commander of chief's directive to and through our lives. There's always going to be amazing men and women around our planet. Stand up when there's challenge. General MacArthur was one of those guys in the Second World War. Um, he was a good leader. And it wasn't just the Second World War. He went into um, Korea. He was involved in the Battle of Korea. It wasn't actually officially a war. Or it, was, it was just there was, there was a whole lot of fighting and shooting going on, a lot of people getting killed. But he was there. And he went on with the Cold War. And he was a distinct leader. But this is a natural man. But one man can make a difference for so many people. If it wasn't for Winston Churchill, you know, not only Great Britain, but probably the planet as we know it would be totally different today. MacArthur, he was involved in the um, Philippines and the Pacific warfare through here. One man made so much difference because he was a good leader. But we have to hear from God. Pastor James was talking just a couple of weeks ago out of Acts 9. And I won't read it fully to you, but I'll try and paint a picture because of the revised Phillips edition, which I can get away with. Now just picture the situation up until now. Obviously, Acts, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit had come on the church, and all these Pharisees and Pharisees were getting really miffed that people were getting swept into the church. The church was growing rapidly. And this young guy, Saul, wanted to go and destroy the church. He was wanting to bag people and kill people and stone people and destroy them. You know, he was all for that. He was wanting to take people to the courts and get people thrown into prison. Then all of a sudden... God speaks to an individual. His name was called Aeneas. And it says here, Now there was a believer in Damascus called Aeneas. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, saying, Aeneas. He said, Yes, Lord. He said, and he replied, said, The Lord said, Go over to the street straight. So the instructions from God. Go over to the street straight and visit the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man called from a man from Tarsus called Saul gave a specific name. He's praying to me right now. And I've shown him in a vision that a man called Aeneas is coming over and he's going to lay hands on you so you can see again. Then Aeneas said, But Lord, I've heard about all this, this man and all the things that he's doing and all the terrible, terrible things that he's doing to the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorised by the priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. 
For Saul is a chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings. And the story goes on. But the thing is, one man heard from God in the face of adversity. Very specific instructions. I want you to go somewhere and do something. He hears from God. You know, God starts to dial in specifics. And this poor man responds. Aeneas was possibly the, I believe, one of the most significant people in the Bible, especially the New Testament. Why? Because he opened up so much for so many people. If it wasn't for one man, Paul's ministry to the church would never have happened. You know, um, there was a response that took place. And one reason why I believe God is speaking into the house of Faith Point currently through this message which Pastor James brought a couple of weeks ago about Aeneas is the mandate on our church as a mobilising church. God's speaking to us for a reason. James and Viv were in Australia last week at a conference. Why? Not just to tickle people's ears and make them excited about a few stories and what have you. It was to preach God's word powerfully, to mobilise a cluster of churches in Australia. Part of the mandate in our church is to mobilise people for missions. You know, one of the things that um, we did at the end of last year, with I'm working with a uh, number of mission groups, but one of them is uh, called Pacific to Nations. And it's only something new that's happened over the last three or four well, probably five years now. And God said, I want you to have 500 young people next year do short-term mission for the first time. A number of them will be pastors, be a number of young people, retired people. And looking back over the calendar year, we're just about up to 500 people already doing first-time mission trips. They come from Australia, from America, uh, some are from Canada, from Samoa. There's, we're losing track of these young people. They're hearing from God, hey, I want you to go somewhere and do something. And we're starting to hear their testimonies. But God spoke, I want you to do something. Friends, we've got to capture the urgency of the hour. We really do. We really do. Because if we don't, we're not going to walk and embrace our destiny. The enemy's come and he's tried to abort the call on many people's lives. This church is a church of empowerment. If God is telling you to do something, we want to enhance that call. We want to Hatch, match, and dispatch you wisely to the corners of the world, to the corners of our city. Thing is, we're coming to the end of the year really quickly. It's going to be on us before we can probably blink just about. But I always find this time of year is a time where I sit down and say, Lord, hey, what am I supposed to be doing? Of all the things next year, what are the key things you want me to do? And God starts to drop revelation directives, imperatives in my life. He does it also for the church. As an eldership, we're starting to discuss a number of things, and we realise that God is starting to finger certain things that we need to do as a church next year. God things, God initiatives that we have to respond to. We've got to be hearers of the word, listeners and responders to that word. Faith Point is a church about mobilising people. You know, about four years ago, five years ago, I think it was, I was saying, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing next year? And he said, I want you to go to Borneo. And I've told some of the stories before, but it's important for us to understand because there's new people in the church now listening and more people listening online now. He said, I want you to go to Borneo. And I said, Lord, like Aeneas, I want you to go to Borneo and hold Ronnie Haybor's head above water. 
he was a missionary there, and, and he, he was making this discipleship base in the jungles of Borneo for um, what is going to be about 2,000 people. It was embryonic, there was just trees, it was only a small group of people. And he had around about 180 children at the time. But he was struggling, you know, to feed and water and clothe 180 people three times a day, seven days a week. You know, every day of the year is exhausting. Education, you know, mattresses, all that sort of stuff, clothing. Phenomenal. And the Lord said, I want you to go to Borneo and hold Ronnie Haybor's head above water. And I'm thinking, Lord, that's very specific. But I said, Lord, I've done those roads before. It used to take two weeks in a boat to get there. Now the roads are there. It takes two weeks on these windy, gnarly roads that are hot and dusty and potholes that are just un unbelievably, don't you love me, Lord? Why would, you know? But then, then the Lord said, Phil, you can fly. And I'm thinking, what? And so he said, you can fly from Puntianak to Sintang, which is only a 38-minute flight. And so I made these bookings online, and I was one of the first people to fly from Puntianak to Sintang. 38-minute flight, you know, Khan, um, Peter, I've done it before. And all this pressure, all this hard work about getting into a place and getting out to a, of a place becomes so much easier. Why? You listen to the voice of God. And then just two weeks ago, Ronnie said to me, Phil, you know, this ministry is going from success to success to success. God's been speaking. He's telling me, not 500 churches now, but 1,000 churches. And we're starting to see the embryonic um, response. We're finding that four regions are opening up to us. And all these church planters that are doing church planting are having their heads held up as well. They're, they're getting a shot of encouragement from each other and from visiting, visiting ministries. Yeah. But I don't know what God's going to ask you to do next year. I really don't. You know, each, of, each of us are going to have different things to, to do. It might be to do... To do it might be to do a first mission trip. It might be to take on a ministry within the church, you know, a kid's church or something like that. I don't know. God's put things into people's lives for a reason. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, verse 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, it says this, From the tribe of Issachar there were 200 leaders, plus their relatives. All these men understood the temper of their times and they knew the best course of action to take place. People heard from God. They did the right thing. Yet sadly, in Psalm 78, we see the story about Ephraim. Psalm 78 verse 9 says, The Ephraimites, armed to the teeth, ran off when the battle became. The message says this. Another version says this, I will not be like Ephraim, who fully armed, turned back when the heat of the challenge came. Someone listened positively, someone didn't listen at all. We're coming to the end of the year. God's speaking clearly to each of us. He's speaking to many of us through the years. And we'll continue to speak. Fresh instructions. Children of Israel, listen to God's directive under Moses. But we know the story. They failed. Really, the first generation. But then God redeemed the situation and they finally cottoned on and they listened. The charismatic renewal, we see a phenomenal surge of what God was doing in our nation and in the nations of the world. But that move of God was sadly aborted because man failed to hear the voice of the Spirit. God doesn't want to condemn us, He wants to encourage us. We can learn from the past. So what is God saying to us as a church? 
He said a whole lot of stuff through the people of the Bible. Revelation 2 verse 7 says this, He who has ears, let him hear what the voice of the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant so he can eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What is God saying to us as a church? Let us be a responsive people. You know, we've got to do that. That's why we're having to release people like Pastor James and Viv to the nations. You know, it's nice to have them here every week, but we're called to be an outie church, not an innie church. You know, we're sending people out all the time. And I just know that God is going to start to finger people in a fresh way. And I, and I know many of your personal stories. You know, some is having to go to, uh, back to Fiji, coconut trees, palm waters, tropical waters, to plant a church. Um, plenty of corned beef over there too, eh? Uh, but the thing is, God is ta- tasking a man or a couple to do something. I don't know what he's tasking you to do. But whatever it is, we need to listen. And I think as we come to a close now, I guess the prayer is, Lord, make our life count. Make our life count. I'm seeing in the spirit right now a railway track. And it's like the railway track is supposed to be going straight, but all of a sudden it's like the engine and the carriages have been pushed off to a siding. The main direction was there, but all of a sudden they've been rerouted off to a siding. And it's like the enemy has sidled people off the main track. There's mandate, there's call, there's destiny on people's life that has never been completed. Why? Because somehow they've been pushed to the side. It's like you've been even, even derailed. The Lord is saying, no, no, no. You're, you're getting repositioned for the future. Winston Churchill knew flesh and blood battles. The church is going to face, I believe, in the next period of time and an intensity of what's going on. And more miracles, more signs and wonders, more powerful things. Why? Because men and, water, men and women are going to be responding to God's call. thing is, people have been listening to wrong voices. You've got to say sorry for that, Lord. You know, Take away those negative thoughts that have infected my thinking. I'll never be any good. My life will never count. Someone else is far more intelligent or, or better looking to do that job or whatever. No. You know, what's God calling you to do? And so this morning as I just pray, we'll have an altar call, I think, because I think each of us needs to be able to respond to God, to hear his voice. The first thing is we need to listen to his voice more clearly. And it's like, Lord, please unplug, unplug, unplug my ears so I can hear the whisper. Tune my ears to your voice so I can actually be more sensitive. You know, thoroughbred horses don't even need to have the commands. They just feel the nudge of the rider. We need to be nimble like that. So you can actually have a directive for next year, for the next season of your life. I don't want to rush this because I know God's going to be speaking in many ways this morning. And I'm going to hand back to Freddie very soon. But maybe we could just stand.